0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Well, hey, everyone. I am excited that you guys are here today. Like Pastor Cole said, we're concluding our series on roots, about how to grow strong, deep, spiritual roots in our lives. And it's been an amazing past couple weeks. So like last week, if you recall, Pastor Mike talked about ...using mentors like real people and people in Scripture to help grow spiritual roots in our lives. And two weeks ago, we talked about how obedience to the Lord, finding ways to obey Christ, grows our roots deeper. And in fact, in that vein right now, I want to pass a little bit of joy on to you guys. Because if you recall, we had the hurricane come through a couple months ago. Some of y'all may have noticed that. And there were a lot of people who experienced damage and flooding. And so our church gathered together and sent tons of people out to go and help. But one of the things that we did is we were a collection station for financial resources. And we told you guys up front that every penny that was given to us, we were going to use 100% of it to serve people who suffered loss during the storm. So we've done that. And this past week, we actually wrote checks and sent them to people who were on our list of folks that we helped them in their home. And so we like wrote a check and mailed it to everyone. And so I had the joy of getting to write that letter. And so I've been able to talk to so many people, whether on the phone uh, or cards or letters, just overflowing with gratitude. Uh, one lady, I, I could barely understand what she was saying because she was crying because it meant so much. Over $160,000 is what you guys gave. And then we were able to, that's right. We were able to turn that around and use that to give to people and just the the joy on their face when they saw God taking care of them in that tangible way. And God did that because you guys were obedient to serve those in need. And so I just wanted to pass that on to you because it's really, it's selfish of me to save all that joy because I've been getting it, but it really was you guys that did it and the Lord through you. So thank you for that. Um, So today we're going to continue on with Roots and we're going to talk about the three three more things that you can use to grow deep spiritual roots in your life and that is prayer, unity with other Christ followers and adversity. Now in first thought that may not kinda seem like how in the world is that gonna work? I mean prayer feels like a no-brainer right? Okay you grow grow deep roots with prayer but unity with other Christ followers and adversity? How is that gonna work? Well I'm excited (laughs) you ask We're going to talk about today, and one of my favorite stories uh, is Nehemiah, and then how Nehemiah went and built the wall around Jerusalem. So that story illustrates how those three facets converge perfectly and work together in tandem to grow deep, deep spiritual roots. So listen, I got to start you off and just say, I love Nehemiah, okay, like he is my he is my favorite. And matter of fact, I almost got excommunicated earlier this week uh, in the church. I was standing there and I was talking about it, and I said, look, Nehemiah is my favorite character in the Bible. Next to Jesus. <laughs> that little pause right there almost got me excommunicated, but I was able- I was able to recover, and you know, Jesus is my favorite, and then there's Nehemiah. And so it worked. I was able to stay working here. But seriously, Nehemiah is one of my favorite biblical characters. And as a matter of fact, I think he is one of the best leaders of all time. I mean, hands down, he's a stud. You put him next to all the best leaders, and he's going to shine. Like Abraham Lincoln? Okay. Winston Churchill? Martin Luther King Jr.? A.J. Hinch? Go Rose. Right? Yes. You put Nehemiah next to any of these guys, and he is going to just be head and shoulders above because it was so amazing what they did. And, and listen, the book of Nehemiah, the life lessons and the leadership lessons that are so filled in this short 13-chapter book are amazing. Far more than we're going to be able to talk about today. So I want to encourage you, go read the book of Nehemiah this week. You know what? And if you can't do all 13 chapters, just read one through seven. All right? That's one chapter a day. That's the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. And there's so much more that we're going to be able to talk about it today. And I want you guys to love Nehemiah like I do. So go read that, read that book. But for our purposes today, we're going to talk about specifically how we can use Nehemiah's story to deepen our roots in prayer, unity with other Christ followers, and adversity. Okay. So to get started, I need to tell you a little bit about what was going on in the world at the time. So it's just a brief history lesson. So back in that day, God's people lived in Jerusalem, all right? And then the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem, conquered the Jews, and so they destroyed Jerusalem and sent the Jews all over the Babylonian empire because what you did back then to keep people from revolting is you just scattered them and forcibly relocated them. So God's people were living all over the world at that point in time, and that's called the exile. Well, about 70 years after that, as was very common back in those days, the Babylonians themselves were attacked and conquered by another group of people called the Persians. You may have heard of the Persians before. So the Persians took over, and about 100 years later and four kings later came Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah was a Jew, one of God's people, but he was the cupbearer, For King Artaxerxes. Now, if you recall, the cupbearer is the one who carried the wine for the king and tasted it to make sure that if there was any poison in it, you died and not the king. So that was Nehemiah's role. But it gave him amazing access to the king. And so Nehemiah is working in the palace. One day, a man named Hananiah, who's a Jew from Jerusalem, came to the palace, and Nehemiah found him and asked. How Jerusalem was. Again, it's been almost 200 years since Jerusalem was destroyed. So he asked Hananiah with news of Jerusalem, and here's what happened. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3 says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, circle for some days. Take your pen, circle for some days, because I want to think about that. When Nehemiah learned how Jerusalem was, and we're talking again, almost 200 years later, he was so distressed, so filled with angst, that he wept, fasted, fasted prayed and mourned for some days. I mean, how long do you think some days might have been? A week? Two weeks? Try three to five months. That's how long it was, the Bible records, between the time Nehemiah found out about Jerusalem and when he took his next step to approach the king. So he fasted, wept, and prayed for three to five months before the next step. And that's the first takeaway for today that I want you to hear is, number one, to grow strong spiritual roots in prayer, I must pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now chances are you've heard that phrase before. It actually is another verse of scripture in the Bible. So without Google, can anyone tell me, yell it out, where that verse is found? Thessalonians where? You know what? That's close enough. Um, hey, it pays to know Scripture, and today it really pays. I got, I got a Sonic gift card for you, my friend. Thank you. Good job. Excellent. Yes. So, First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." All right. So, what what does that mean? Have you ever, I'm sure you've heard that, and you kind of thought, "How do I pray without stopping?" I mean, at some point, my mouth is going to get tired. At some point, I got to sleep. Well, of course it doesn't mean like never, ever, ever stop praying. And and so what I believe it means, Nehemiah is showing us. And so when we pray without ceasing, we are continually telling God what we think and what we feel and telling him what's on our heart. Nehemiah was burdened for Jerusalem and his people, so he prayed for three to five months about it. Now, I spent a long time in my life believing that when you prayed to God, you told him what you thought And then you did not tell him again because you were whining after that point. I I, I think it stems back. I heard a preacher one day say that, look, you tell God what you want and then you move on. Because if you tell him again, it means you don't have the faith to believe that he heard you the first time. And I heard that. And honestly, I really wasn't studying scripture at that point like I should. So I figured, oh, well, the preacher said it. it must be true. And so I believed it and that poisoned me for multiple years because I been around and I found that I couldn't pray about it once and then just let it go. I couldn't tell God what was burdening my heart and then just go, okay, God's going to take care of it because it kept burdening me over and over and over again. I felt guilty for thinking that way and I literally, I felt like an inferior Christian because I couldn't pray about something and be done with it. I figured everybody else had it figured out but me. And it took a while when I finally learned that pray without ceasing. Nehemiah shows us, keep putting it before God over and over again. Pray what's on your heart if you are burdened by something. Now listen, if you're, if you're upset by the fact that you drive a Nissan and not an Aston Martin, don't bother God with that. That is whining. Okay? <laughs> But if your marriage is struggling and you don't really like the person you're married to, but you want your marriage to honor God, pray about that. Every day, tell him over and over again. Or if you are burdened by the fact that there are kids all across the world in our nation, in our community who don't have enough to eat, when most of us throw food away every day, if you're burdened by that, tell God, pray about it. Tell him and tell him again. Tell him again. And then go be part of the solution. That's what Nehemiah did. He prayed without ceasing. He was burdened by it. And then one day he was in the presence of the king. Three to five months later, scripture tells us. The king asked him, what's wrong? Because he could tell Nehemiah was just wrecked. Chapter 2, verse 4. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. All right, take your pen, underline, then I prayed to God of heaven. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay, so Nehemiah is in the presence of the king. The king says, what's wrong? What can I do for you? He says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. All right, picture this happening for real, okay? Because the king had just addressed him. Do you imagine that the king asked him that question and then Nehemiah paused, assumed the position, prayed, and then talked to the king? Well, of course he didn't. The king talks, you answer. So what does it mean when Nehemiah says, then I prayed to the God of heaven? and I answered the king. And I believe that's the second part of this pray without ceasing is that you are to be in constant communication with the Lord. So your mouth is talking to the king of Persia, but your heart is connecting with God in that moment. That you are so connected with the Lord without ceasing that he knows your heart and you know his heart. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you have a constant connection to the Lord. Whether you are sitting in a boardroom looking over financials and you're bored out of your mind, whether you're on I-10 and rush hour and you're stuck, whether you're enjoying a beautiful sunset over the Grand Canyon or celebrating the birth of a newborn baby, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are in such constant communication with the Lord that everything about you is praying. That sort of praying without ceasing grows deep, deep foundational roots. All right, so back to Nehemiah. So he gets permission from the king to go rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. So Nehemiah loads up, heads to Jerusalem. He gets there. He finds out that everything is exactly like he heard, that God's people are in distress and disgrace, and that the wall around Jerusalem is in rubble. So he gathers all the Jewish people together in the area. And in chapter 2, verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we, now take a moment, circle the word we, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us, now circle us right there, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we, circle we, will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us, circle us, start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Now look at those four words we circled. We, us, we, us. Now, I want to point out those are all first person plural pronouns. Some of you I know have no idea what I just said. You're like, first person plural, what? Is he speaking in tongues? No, I'm not speaking in tongues, and I'm not trying to give you a grammar lesson, but I do want to point out that first-person plural basically means us together, unity. Basically, that's what it is, and that's our next takeaway for this morning. It's your next line on your fill of notes. When I unify with other Christ followers, I am strengthened by them. When I unify with other Christ followers, I am strengthened by them. So think about this. So the Jews had lived for hundreds plus years surrounded by all these other peoples, and they were living in disgrace, and they were being abused and oppressed. Nehemiah shows up with just a few attendants. It's not like Nehemiah rolled in with the big army or anything. One man and a couple attendants shows up, casts vision, to God's people about what could be if they worked together, and then God's people all of a sudden go, yeah, let's do it. They drew strength from that unity that came when Nehemiah talked to them. They drew strength from working together to accomplish a goal for Christ. So this reminds me of a couple years ago, we had the opportunity to go on an Alaskan cruise, which by the way, if you've never done that, I highly recommend it. It's a ton of fun. Well, one of the shore excursions that we did while we were there is we went ziplining through the rainforest canopies of Alaska. Who knew Alaska had rainforests, but it does. So we went ziplining through with some of my family members. It was a ton of fun. Now, I remember though, at one point, we were way up in the air, and you know, like the trees are doing this business in the wind, and I'm like going, "Yeah, we're really high up here, aren't we? And the guide, he was a little college kid, a little punk, decided to have some fun with me. He's like, oh, yeah, we're like 150 feet in the air. And did you know that the roots are only two feet deep? I'm like, what? So I'm kind of like going back against the tree like this. And after he laughed at me for a few minutes, he said, no, 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 listen. In the rainforest ecosystem, the nutrients in the soil are only about a foot or two deep. There's nothing really below that, so the trees don't have a reason to grow their roots deep. But they grow their roots out. Hundreds of feet in all directions, their roots are growing out. And then they begin to intertwine with the roots of the other trees. So he said, you're not standing on the strength of this tree. You're standing on the strength of this tree and that tree and that tree And that one and the hundreds of trees around us all intertwined, stronger than one tree itself. Let the wind blow. Those trees were going nowhere because they were hundreds of trees all intertwined, working together. That is what unity in the body of Christ is like. All of us wound together like those roots. And the strength of God's people working together, strengthened by Christ, is unbelievable greater than anything that they could do on their own. And here's another little nugget for you in that, is that unity in Christ makes the impossible possible. You can fill that in on your notes. Unity in Christ makes the impossible possible. You see, these these Jews banded together, and they started rebuilding the wall, and they completed it in an astonishing 52 days. So think about this. Less than two months... They reconstructed a wall that was broken down where no stone was on top of the other one. They reconstructed it. It was two and a half miles long, 12 feet high, and had an average width of two and a half feet. 52 days. Astonishing. They didn't have any cranes. They didn't have any bulldozers. All they had was themselves, some simple tools, and a bunch of big rocks an impossible task. But they did it because of the strength of working together because of God. And listen, when you see God do impossible things through the unity of his people, that grows serious roots because you not only see it, you believe that no matter what God calls you to do, together we can do this and God will give us strength. So along the way, While they're doing this, the people who had been oppressing the Jews, they didn't just say, oh, well, go have fun. They were upset by it. There was a lot of naysaying, a lot of opposition along the way. So this is what happens. Uh, In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, when the surrounding peoples heard, it says this. When Sambalot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Okay, take a minute, picture this, because this is real life, this really happened. Okay, I kind of see Sanballat as like the big bully and then you've got his little sidekick, Tobiah. So so Sanballat's like, what are these feeble Jews doing? You can't do this. And then you've got Tobiah going, even if a fox jumps on it, it'll knock it down. (laughs) Right? Can you see that in your head? That's what's going on. But think for a moment, Um, As they do this, that adversity that comes with that, because these people who had been oppressing them and abusing them, okay, they're now saying horrible, mean, nasty, vicious things. And as the people begin to build, they start to put the wall back. And all of a sudden, Sanballat and Tobiah are like, this is happening. This is not good. So they decide they're going to attack the Jewish people as they're rebuilding the wall. All of a sudden, it just got real. So, What happens when that adversity comes against them? Because the cards, it was definitely stacked against them. But our last takeaway today is this, number three, is when adversity comes, I can push away from God or I can press in to him. I can push away or I can press in. See, adversity is one of the most effective tools that the evil one will use against Christ's followers, because when adversity comes, we have a natural tendency to push away from trouble and to push away from the Lord in the middle of it. You know, perhaps, perhaps you've been working for a promotion at work, um, and instead the promotion went to the guy in the cubicle next to you who took credit for some stuff that you did, and you're so upset by that. You know, like you know what this this living an honorable life thing, it's not working. I'm going to find a way to the top myself. Or perhaps the boy that you wanted to ask you to homecoming, ask another girl, and you are crushed by that. And you think, you know what? God's rules for dating just aren't working. I'm going to try it my own way. Or, or maybe, maybe you followed God. You felt God's call to start a new business. And so you go to get a small business loan and the ink is not even dried on the paper when the economy drops out and those contracts that you were counting on go away. And you think, how am I going to do this? I, I can't follow God. He is not trustworthy. Adversity will push you away from the Lord if you let it. But adversity is also an opportunity for you to press into God, to draw strength from him and to watch him work in miraculous ways. Look what Nehemiah says when there was dissension and there was threat of attack all around them. Nehemiah says in chapter four, verse 14, he says, as I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them, remember the Lord It's great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. When adversity came against them, Nehemiah and God's people chose to press in to God. Nehemiah divided the people up. Half of them were guarding and half of them were building. And scripture tells us even the ones that were building had a sword in their hand or strapped to their belt. But they pressed into God and they trusted God to fight their battles for them. And you know what? As it turned out, they never had to fight a battle at all. God took care of it. And then, when the wall was done, after an astonishing 52 days, Look what happens. Chapter 6, verse 16. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And that, my friends, is what the power of God can do. He took the fear that the Israelites felt and he turned it around and he put it on their enemies so that the people who had been abusing and oppressing them now felt fear because of what God had accomplished through them. And you know, that sounds so easy when we read it in Scripture. Like, oh, okay, they trusted God, built the wall. But think about it in real life. Think about, for hundreds of years, these people had known nothing but oppression and abuse from the surrounding peoples. And then one day, this guy named Nehemiah shows up and says, hey, we should rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And you go, yeah, that sounds good. That will be great. Let's do that. And then you start to do it, and then you find out that those people around you are going to attack you and kill you and kill your wife and kill your children. How much strength did it take to choose to trust God in that moment, to know that your life, your family's life is on the line? but you chose to trust God anyway. Amazing. Think about your life right now. You've got adversity. We all do. Some of you know really firsthand what this adversity stuff is because you just had your house flooded. Some of you for the second time in two years. But you chose to press in when adversity came. And you've now you've understand the peace that passes all understanding and you you understand the strength that comes from unity and praying without ceasing others of you though you've chosen anger and bitterness like the adversity comes and you're like i don't want any of this it shouldn't be this way and you get angry by it and you push away and when you push away it breaks the connection between you and god you are not praying without ceasing. And the more you're not praying without ceasing, it breaks that connection with other believers. And the unity with other believers suffers. And the strength that's drawn from being intertwined like that goes away, which leads you to more anger and despair, which leads you to a greater disconnect. And you push away and you push away. But when you press in during adversity, that's when you see the Lord work. That's when you see the strength and the peace and the power of God through constant connection and prayer with Him and through unity. When that adversity comes for you, for me, for all of us, I pray that we will choose to press in and not push away. And For some of you right now, when I I say press into God, press into the Lord, that really, that doesn't even make sense to you Because you haven't made the choice to follow Jesus Christ yet. And so this this thought of pressing in is weird. But for some of you, it kind of makes sense right here. Like you don't know why. you, You don't really understand it. But at this moment, it really sounds like something you need. And if that's you in this room today, then that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and telling you that today is the day and this is the time for you to choose to follow Christ. So on the back of your message notes, down at the bottom, there is a sample prayer that you can pray. And in a few minutes, I'm gonna pray for all of us and then the band is gonna come back out and they're gonna play a song. And when that happens, I wanna encourage you, tune out the music, that doesn't really matter. Take that prayer and pray. It will guide you to following Jesus Christ. Now, you don't have to have all the answers. You're not gonna have all the answers. And honestly, you probably won't ever get all of the answers this side of heaven. But what you need is a willing heart and a desire to ask Jesus for forgiveness of sin and to choose to follow him. And if you do that today, the availability to press into Christ becomes yours. And when adversity comes, you have the availability to pray without ceasing and to bind together with other Christ followers in unity so that in adversity, you too can press in for that strength and that peace. Bow your heads, please. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, God. I'm so grateful for the story of Nehemiah and all that you have have taught me through him and through his life and the challenges uh, that he faced. God, thank you for using him to mentor so many of us uh, all of these years. Uh, God, I thank you for just the story of rebuilding the wall, God, and how it inspires us to trust you no matter what the odds are stacked against us. And Father, I pray um, for those right now who need to learn what it means to pray without ceasing. God, for those who need to learn that strength comes from unity in the body. God, I pray for those who need to know you so that they can press in. God, and for us, when when adversity arises, God, I pray that you will just inspire all of us to say no to the evil one and instead press into you and run into your arms. God, show us that you are with us. God, that you will not leave us nor forsake us. God, show us that you are the God of heaven, the maker of the universe, the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills the provider of all of our needs. God, show us that you will fight for us. And God, may we press into you and run into your arms whenever adversity comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.